Hello and welcome to uh, No Laughing Matter with me, Dom. And me, Jack. Hello, everyone. Uh, so here we are again for us. Yeah, been a while, but it's good to be back. Good to be back in the St. Paul's of Bristol. Uh, recording from Dom's room today, which is... Uh, it's lovely. It's There's a lot of light in here, uh, which is what you want on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, we shouldn't be in here for too much longer this episode, and then we'll see we'll see where the day takes us. Yes, absolutely. So what's new with you? Uh... I my brain is has been and is it's getting better but I've been really frazzled recently because I've had uh you know a lot of projects going on as well as as well as this uh which is which has been really good how are I, you I hear you've been trawling the streets of Bristol harassing strangers y- yes would that be fair <laughs> that's um that's not what they put on the flyer uh <laughs> but yeah it's true I think I have some flyers actually somewhere the benefits of being in my room oh of course uh, basically yeah I was in a play recently the Ithaca Axis um, which was really good fun. It was uh, a play that was traveling theater, if that's a promenade or what it be called. It took place over 10 different locations, I think would be the key thing to say about it. And the audience turned up and they got split into four, uh, four groups and they each got assigned a character to follow around and I was one of those groups that had to take an audience around. Uh, so the people you were harassing were actually kind of told to follow you around? Well, some were paying customers, but not all. <laughs> I suppose that's the thing with kind of open-air theatre. It's yeah. like you can't really wrap blindfolds around the people who haven't put the coin in. So No, well, I mean... Gets. The other thing is you can't stop people from leaving. There's a certain amount of in, <laughs> there's a certain amount of embarrassment that you know if you have to get up and walk out of the theatre, you know you'll just sit there and do it anyway. Whereas if you're not enjoying it and you're just walking from pub to pub, you might just be like oh, a quick half in there or do you, <laughs> yeah. you know where are you exactly. going to next? We're just going to chip off. Um, I imagine that is quite you know a bit soul crushing. You've got to plan your route so you don't actually go past anywhere where people would genuinely want to be. Other than hanging around you, so um, you've got to avoid like the shops and the pubs, and basically you're just leading a group of strangers round the alleys. Well, we were in the centre of town, so we were there were loads <laughs> of other things to do. But the thing that was sort of ironic was we were stood um, where we we started by the fountains in Bristol, and uh, there were loads of posters and flyers up for another show that was on <laughs> at the old bit around the corner. Um, but it was no, it was brilliant fun. It was a really good experience, and. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was so tiring because obviously it was walking around Bristol most nights for two weeks. I think that's why I couldn't do what you do. I mean, when you know when you're in a theatre and you've got a script and you kind of do your thing and that's great. But when you're in a theatre, you don't get some some idiot on the front row stand up and try and strike up a conversation with you in character. And you know when you've got to wander around the streets of Bristol and someone comes like, "So what's going on then? I haven't been listening." And you just got to fight the urge just to give him a bit of a slap. Well, this was the thing. I got to play someone who was really angry and really had a... He was quite highly sprung, and therefore I had free excuse to be... To start with, as pretty mean as I... Well, no, I don't know if the director would agree, but I took it as an excuse to be as mean as I like to start with uh, and kind of build trust. Build trust that way. It was really weird. I think like there were people that would try and talk to you out of character, and you'd just have to kind of block it off and kind of... <laughs> My response was just to be like, sort of, you know, are you, are you taking the mick? What's going on here? Are you sort of get quite leery about it and be like, are you not taking this seriously? This is, you know... So let, let me just kind of put this in a neat little package. So me, as a paying customer, would pay you... How much was it? Was it... What was the ticket price on here? £10. Yeah. £7 concessions, whatever that means. So I pay you £10. 
to follow you round town and when I try and interact with you you're either going to be mean to me or ignore me. No, no, we weren't allowed to ignore anybody. I, w I wouldn't. If mean... I tried to talk to you, like you know, oh Dom, you know, you're doing a great job, and you'd be like, oh, get lost. Well, the thing was, is like on the f the first journey was where you'd get it. After that, so we journey from location to location, and we, yeah. you know, they were called journeys. And uh, <laughs> the first journey was the one in which people would be a bit jokey, a bit giggly, and a bit like, you know, yeah. It's a nervous thing as well. They were probably just as nervous as us. And the thing you do is giggle, and you ask that awkward question to make it you know, kind of go away. Yeah, exactly. Because that's what I was resisting the urge to do. Um, <laughs> but after that, it was fine. I mean, the first thing we had to do was go in and break somebody out of a prison cell. Um, okay, I so, can understand. All right. So they were locked in a cellar, and uh, I thought this person was... If, if, actually, I can, but it plays over. I can spoil as much as I like. <laughs> so we started off uh, as in like a, this big group called Truth Seekers, and we were led by a woman called Cassandra... And the the ca the camp was attacked by the Poseidon Foundation. It was based loosely on Homer's Odysseys, and the idea was he'd uh, Odysseus had come back to not Homer's Odysseys, the Odysseys. Odysseus had come back to Ithaca, but Ithaca he'd been gone for so long. Ithaca became the liberal arts Bristol under right. con under the control of his wife Penelope. Okay, and he returns to find Bristol as this kind of you know modern you know liberal city, and he's very old school. And while he was away, me and this group of truth seekers, led by Cassandra, had had uh, lots of stuff going on, and the camp was attacked with uh, uh, by Penelope. And I think Cassandra's dead, and they, these other two people I'm with want to go and break her out of a prison cell, so I'm very kind of, what? No! She's dead! You're <laughs> Is off that the your voice you use in the play? Mental. No, 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 no. Cassandra's dead, you toilet. <laughs> I was, well, this is the thing, he was like, when I first heard about the character, it was really funny, because he was... The director was saying, you know, oh yeah, he's the he's the sort of heavy of the group. He may just flip out and stab someone at any point. <laughs> and I was kind of like, okay, that's that's something I can can kind of work so with. Playing it straight there. But yeah. yeah, we had we had the writer come around with us, and that was the thing I was most nervous about because it's not something you would look at me and necessarily associate. Mm. You know, I don't, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm typecast into that sort of thing. So I was really worried when the writer that came with yeah. our group, he was going to be like, this is, this is the thug, yeah. yeah. this is the guy who's going to flip out. And, I you imagined know. a gentle giant, of which <laughs> you are neither. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, an angry small person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was really good fun. And then we, you know, I got to kind of break. Uh, so the, wor the, the worst bit for me was when we, basically, we after we break uh, Cassandra out of this pub. I thought she was dead called the looking glass it turns out she's not oh. she's imprisoned in a cellar under the looking glass pub is that a pub yeah and uh, right. she's completely off her head on the drugs they've been giving her and she starts trying to fight me on the way out so I have to kind of wrestle her and restrain her to the ground in the pub question was the pub in on this mm, the pub was but when we were rehearsing <laughs> in the basement she's screaming I'm yelling we were we had the the owner of the pub who, who I assume was the owner of the pub come down and be like you're scaring away customers can you keep the noise down a little bit down here but it was cool and then I had to kind of pick her up while she's drugged up and sort of escort her out of the pub and then we had to take her to St. Stephen's Church at the bottom of Corn Street going down Corn Street you know on a Friday and Saturday night with a girl in a straitjacket. And do you know what I mean? My costume was just a chav, basically. I had a, sort of a cap on, some baggy clothes. So I didn't look... Carrying a girl. Carry, down, it, right. Like, you know, restraining a girl down the street. What would happen if you kind of went into the wrong pub? 
Well, and the words happened to be someone in the basement, you know, maybe like um, <laughs> just a part-timer working there. <laughs> so, all right, let's paint the picture in a so, you know, so you're supposed to go in the looking glass, yeah, you're going, yeah. I don't know, the old goat or something. And like, you know, you're going along, you're leading this group of strangers, and it's all just a joyous event. And you go into the cellar of the pub, and there's a part-timer working there uh, called Stephanie or, you know, whatever. Let's call her Stephanie. Why yeah. not? She's working there. She's changing a barrel. You come in wearing your chavy gear, leading what she can only assume is your cult. <laughs> uh, she starts screaming, so you tackle her to the ground and carry her out. All the while, you're thinking, she's really putting her all in, but she decided not to wear the costume. <laughs> and these strangers just following you blithely, applauding and taking pictures. Well, we do rehearse. So that I mean, I knew I, I'm going to shatter your illusion of what the but play. But the pressure is. of the night. I, do, I, do you think that I'd walk in, see that there was a different person there, <laughs> but would be so in character, I'd just go for it? <laughs> go well, for you it know, anyway. you've got to stay in character. If anyone, you said yourself, if anyone tries to talk to you outside of character, like who the hell are you? Why are you doing this? I work here. You said yourself, you had to ignore. I'm just saying there is not a possibility. Anyway, all right, yeah. I well, mean, obviously it didn't happen, but luckily, you know, I'd, I'd pay my £10, £7 concession to see that going on. <laughs> that was grand. But it was, it was really cool. And I think uh, the, the worst thing was rehearsing that scene on Corn Street, because obviously when we had you know an audience of between sort of 10 and 25 people with mm. us and a steward, it was okay. But when we were in our normal clothes and I was carrying this girl down Corn Street in the middle of the day when Corn Street is at its busiest... It was horrible. People would be like looking and kind of, you know, and then she collapses at one point, and we all have to pick her up and carry her the remaining distance to the church. What? Pick her up like a coffin, like, on, like your on your shoulder? Yeah, yeah. Or kind of, like you know, bearers, yeah. Basically. yeah, yeah, pretty much. And Jesus. she was completely wrecked and making noises, and you know, was you know in, in character herself, and it was horrible because people would come up and try and be nice. This was the thing. They'd be like, "Is she okay? What's going on?" And we weren't allowed. To go. So you had to ignore these people who were concerned. Well, no, we just had to be like, look, it's fine, back off, you know, <laughs> leave, leave us alone, do you know. And there was, we had one guy yeah, who was like, just make me more suspicious. She was like, yeah, exactly. She was like, uh, is she okay? And we were, um, we were walking along, uh, and uh, he was like, oh, is she all right? Is she okay? And I was like, yeah, it's fine, just go away. And we got part way down the street where she collapses, and then we picked her up, and he came over and was like, I'm a paramedic, put her down. Oh my god! I know, God. I know. I was just like, ah. Oh. Okay, and at which point, you know, someone who's like watching us rehearse will go up to them and go, "It's fine, they're rehearsing a play." But by this point, that sounds like the worst excuse for what's going <laughs> yeah. on you've ever seen in your life. They're professionally and trained yeah, actors. Yeah. Leave Ultimately, them alone. he's just trying to be nice. He's just yeah. trying to help someone out who's in trouble. And it's it was really good. I mean, the the opposite end of that is we had while we were walking down here and she's stumbling around and I'm trying to keep her up. We had like a, a guy dressed in my costume essentially go like oh K-hole K-hole she's been on the cabin <laughs> pointing at her and kind of like getting random strangers to look at her and go yeah look K-hole K-hole and we kind of just this guy is he part of the crew or no he, just... he was just a randomer that just, day just a random Bristol civilian yeah and it was who recognised the symptoms of ketamine it was really I mean once we were in costume and once we'd done it like more than seven times I began to ease up about it but I used to get proper kind of I, I'd have real anxiety about it I have anxiety just listening do you know oh. what I mean and it was, really, it was really good fun and I wouldn't check, you know and it was kind of what it was all about but yeah, yeah. at the same time it was uncomfortable <laughs> and the other things we were doing the other thing that happened one night is we were um, we were we tell the audience to look out for spies of the foundation and we tell them that spies are wearing they normally wear shiny shoes sunglasses or hats Oh now, my god, that's including... Alright, no, you carry on. So, at this point, 
we we were walking down a set of stairs on Baldwin Street to go around the corner up to the Looking Glass. Yeah. And there were a couple of guys in suits, and I'm just as a chap. I just barge past them because that's what I'm used to. We're kind of in the middle of the run. I'm like, they won't care, you know, type thing. Yeah. But I I actually I sort of slipped down the stairs and hit one of them a lot harder <laughs> than I intended to. Now then, I I was like, crap. Okay, so I turned around. I knew him. He was a friend of uh, my girlfriend Liz's. I met him quite a few times. I'd even told him we had a conversation about me doing a play like this. He, on the other hand, finished work, got out and had a few pints, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, completely forgotten about all of this. And I was, you know, I I normally have shorter hair, or he's only met me with shorter hair. Uh, the last time I saw him, I think I had a shaved head. So this is quite some months later. I've got quite long hair, <laughs> a kind of scruffy beard going on. I'm dressed like a chav, which isn't normally how I conduct myself, especially around my girlfriend's friends. And he turns around and he's like, what are you doing that for? What are you doing that to me for? And because I think he knows me, I just flicked in the bird and told him to, uh, <laughs> told him to F off, basically in character an audience are now watching because I've got this <laughs> this person involved and he starts coming up to me and he's getting right in my face and he's going what are you doing that for what's going on and I'm like okay how do I not lose any face here how do I not break character and at the same time deal with somebody who doesn't recognise me being really angry at what's going on what were the audience doing at this point watching they thought it was part of the show okay as with anything that happened they were like oh yeah it's bla- it's just part of it blah, blah, blah. and I was kind of like if he hits me, I'm gonna fall first, <laughs> and then just push him away, and then and then tell all the audience to run and make a big thing out of it. Luckily, he didn't push me; uh, he just came right up to me. So I I gave him a big hug. Oh, do you know what you should have done? Uh, I'm sorry, I just just brainwave. You had an audience following you, thinking it was all part of it. Just turn to them and say, "Get him." Yeah, <laughs> they would. Oh, brilliant! Interactive theatre. Yeah. They would kick the shine out of that man. He is a good friend of you know my girlfriend. <laughs> But he didn't know who you were. You could have been just some stranger with, again, your cult. Well, this is this is the thing. So I grabbed him and hugged him. And then he was like, ah, oh, I can shoved each other away and he walked yeah. off, you know. And he sort of came in for the hug as well. By that point, he knew I wasn't going to fight him, but knew I wasn't going to back down either. So it was this hug thing and he left. You mean like a boxer's hug or kind of like, oh, you're so sweet kind of hug? Sort of boxer's hug, yeah. I'd say. And then um, he... Uh, he walked off and I just turned to the audience and went yes stole his wallet and was like oh that's fine completely got out of that <laughs> by like pretending to steal from him when I hugged him apparently I mean we got on with the play and at this point I had like a massive adrenaline rush because yeah. the situation had sort of worn off and I was just left with the adrenaline and of thinking I was about to get into a fight with a guy I knew who didn't know me while an audience paying audience was watching I then got a text to him like halfway around the show and unbeknownst to me he had then recognised me while he was walking away and in the pub and then rang my girlfriend going oh my god something really awful <laughs> happened <laughs> I bumped into Dom and uh, it was my I'm so sorry <laughs> so to him I just bumped into him and done some banter he hadn't known I was a play and he'd come up and tried to fight me <laughs> and then he texted me uh, like part way through the show uh, and it was it was brilliant. It's the best text. I think I've got it. I will read it to you. Um, uh, it was it was great. It was brilliant. Uh, so not only did you escape an ass kicking, this guy kind of realized. Did it, so he clocked who you were. Did he know the play was going on? No, he completely forgot. He, so he just knew you. He thought he'd tried to start a fight with someone who'd just sort of been yeah. really openly aggressive to him while he'd had a few pints. 
So he, he he then texts me. This is when we're halfway through the run of the show, and he was like, "Hi, mate. Didn't recognise you!" Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Uh, fuck! I'm so sorry. If I seem funny, I'd had a few beers and I didn't recognise you until I was walking away. Dot dot dot. I'm such a. See you next Tuesday. Uh, I spoke to uh, Lizzie and she told me you're doing a play. Hope it's going well, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going all right until you know. <laughs> Uh, uh, take care, Dunks. But it was brilliant. It was really good fun. I saw him the other day, and it was um, everything's cool now. Everything right? was fine now. He he was like, oh, I must have looked like such an idiot, and I was just like, no, people thought you were, you were a spy and part of the play, which was really cool. And the other thing that uh, that happened uh, was uh, Black Books, one of your favorite series. Have you still got my DVD? Yeah, I, I'm I actually do. sat here looking that. Um, do you remember the episode in which they make the wine? Yes. Um, well, do you know the the monk at the beginning, when the guy, the monk runs over to the older monk with grapes? Yes, that's right, yeah. He was in the play. Was he? The, what, the, the, the old, old monk. monk. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I got to kill him at the end of the play, spoilers, <laughs> uh, which is quite cool. I got to properly strangle him with a belt. Oh, hang on. When you say you got to properly strangle okay, him. Okay, well... Bit of clarification know, there. For two weeks, I just got to go... In character. You know, and gave him a throttle, which I thought was really cool. Oh, excellent. That's that's an unusual claim to fame. It's, it's bizarre, yeah. You killed the monk out of Black Book. Yeah, exactly. He's in another episode, actually, where he turns up and uh, tries to sell Bernard Black the books, and, and Bernard Black gives him money and tells him to leave. That's if right, remember, yes, yeah. yeah. Without he takes takes the books with him, but it was it was really good fun. Um, Ithaca the Ithaca Axis um, finished now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that t- I was about to say that ten pounds sound like really good value for money, but um, well, it was, but you you missed out. We missed out. It was it was it was good though. I think the the worst one was when um, not the worst one, but the thing I was most worried about is on the first night my mum came, and so there's she oh, she was really uncomfortable because she's never I don't I'm not particularly sweary mm. and I was you know in the street and she was saying you know I had to really restrain myself from being like dumb stop it pull yourself together behave and the other thing I was really worried about is we get the audience involved a lot obviously you know you do that you come here help me pick her up and I was really worried I was going to go mum come on help me do this <laughs> you know, I, just, I just kind of completely ruined the you know <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like being at school when you call yeah, the tear. Yeah. Oh, I mean you. Oh, God. Mum, get the door. <laughs> you know. Mum, help me pick her up. You know, it was... Mom, it was start the Astra. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was all right. It went really well. Oh, it, I'm glad it went well. I was kind of... Uh, oh, I'm a bit gutted. I missed it as well. Now, I feel like I should have been there, but it's one of those things as well. I can understand, you know, it's a brilliant idea, and for the audience, it'd be great to go around, but I'd just be the ultimate troll. Yeah. If, you were ca- if I was going around with you, I'd just be... Oh, I'd make it hell. So you <laughs> kind of dodged a bullet on that one. There was a reason I'm not telling you until now. Yeah, uh, it's just kind of afterwards I find out after I miss the opportunity to go and get involved. I would help you carry bodies, bodies around Bristol. You know, no, like, it was really good fun. What I brought you bodies around yeah, Bristol? Yeah. I'm like, hey, I found another one. I think the thing you know when you said to the audience, oh, "Spies wear shiny shoes, sunglasses, or hats." That's everyone, <laughs> yeah, basically. Exactly. Everyone really on a ne- summer's evening. Yes, of course. So the audience are going to be looking around thinking, oh my God, we're surrounded by spies. This this possibly drunken, drugged chav is carrying me around. You know, world of illusion there to get lost in. It was really cool. I think that was the thing that I was really pleased that turned out quite well was that every group was able to kind of bring in 
the real world. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't there wasn't this divide between us and things going on around us. So we just had to direct stuff. So one night that we were walking past this thing and there was a fire trucks and it was cornered off and we were like crap there's been another attack you know the foundation must have done something you know don't look you know come, you know come away and that that was really good uh and other nights we'd bump into other groups and have to deal with that mm. and we'd have to hide and kind of get getting 25 people to try and hide and look inconspicuous <laughs> in the street it was brilliant one night we were walking past this bar we got everyone to queue up as if they were going into the bar, and we just hid the girl. We were, we were, uh, we just broken out. Yeah, and it was really cool. It was really, you know, doing stuff like that's that. That's good. That, that's was really that's cool. good kind of street theatre. I and, like um, that. And yeah, and the other night we had like a, the other night, one of the nights we had a charity worker come up to us and was like, you know, have you got any money? Well, she had a hat on, so the audience were like, by this point, you know, highly engrossed. I'm like, no, get get lost. And I was like, you know, go away. What are you doing? Your tea head, because they invented these fake pills, tea pills, that were you know the kind of mm. the young street hip thing. But we were like, oh no, you mustn't touch them. They're mind control from the foundation and all this. So it was really cool. That kind of immersing in the real world was something I'd never done before. And having to kind of imp- stay in character mm. while talking to people was something that was so really cool. So what's next on the list then? Now that we've the. Uh the Ithaca Axis is wrapped. Well, now that while I was doing that, believe it or not, I had to direct a play at college. Well, at the same time? At the same time with other students in it. So I, in the evenings, I'd go and shout and swear at members of the public. And during the day, I would shout and swear at fellow students <laughs> while, <laughs> while trying to direct them. But that went really well. Uh, and at the moment, we're doing... I've been tweeting about it, actually. We're doing a play called Body Language by Aaron Aitbourne. Right. Same director as the Ithaca Axis. But um, I don't speak... My character is a old crackpot surgeon. Who doesn't speak any English? That's your character, is it? <laughs> so, in I mean, I don't want to say anything else about it because it's a really good play that you're hopefully going to come and see oh, as well. Oh yeah, we're, we're not really, you know, the kind to give away spoilers. Or yeah, yeah, like exactly. That, you know? We're not on our own work. <laughs> uh, but uh, the there's, he's the the writer has made up a gobbledygook language that me and this other character speak, and in brackets it has what it means, like Sims, kind of like Sims. Sort of thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that sort of you know, Drutenstock and Tyron Tyron Minor Rutpocker, and it's really kind That's of. That's like kind of. Are you Arnold Schwarzenegger in this play? No, no, no. Uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, Albert Einstein. Okay. Because he kind of has that older, from a similar generation, but his voice is quite weird. He has a lot more because I'd never heard Albert Einstein speak. I don't know if you had. I haven't actively sought out. Any yeah, yeah. Reason, no. Well, I now have, and he's got the, like the voice and the face didn't really match up because you you imagine him to sound like Yoda in my head for some reason. Can but I he, ask? A, it's going to be a really stupid question. Yeah. Is Albert Einstein dead? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That's all right. No, it's fine because I'm just thinking. No, no. You carry on. Yeah. You carry uh, on. I just wanted to clear that. He's got this quite high pitched kind of German, and he said some really beautiful things that I was reading about, but it's very kind of. You know, the conquest today was for the thing. And there's this really nice slow mm. rhythm. So his voice doesn't quite fit the character, but his look fits it really well. And I have to walk around with two sticks. So I play somebody who's 80. He's 80 years old as well. So you're an old 80-year-old who doesn't speak English? Uh, an old 80-year-old genius surgeon with bad medical ethics. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently I sew heads... Do you head- ever feel like you're getting typecast? Yeah, <laughs> I sew heads of animals onto other <laughs> other, other animals. Uh, which is quite cool. It's the same director as the Ithaca Access. Who, I always get kind of really interesting, challenging stuff. That's awesome. I'm in. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really good. The other, the other thing, well, he's made me do two other things that I've really enjoyed. One of which was a play called Wojciech, which was based on an old German story about a soldier who is just lives off peas. He's having experiments done to him, and he goes, he lives off peas. He goes do lally and kills his wife, and he's all a bit mental. But, but he lives off peas. He's been told by a doctor who's basically bullying him. Uh, he's making him live off just peas to see what happens to his body, and some weird stuff has started happening. It was all. What what weird stuff would happen to you if you live off peas? Peas are good. They're full well, it's of... not the only thing he gets kind of, but he has lots of things happen to him in a short. Basically, the the play is based on an actual man who lived in Germany who ate peas, who was a soldier and a doctor and things, like, and he was quite a complicated character. But he killed his wife, and it was one of the first trials in Germany in which his sanity was called into question as whether the fact that he was probably insane mean that he his sentence might change rather than being tried as a proper murderer. You know, the thing is, if you would have said just that last little bit, you know, a real-life man in Germany went to you know killed his wife, that would be fine. I would be totally on board with that. The fact you mentioned that peas. he only eats peas... Well, it's the thing I remembered, because I, I ended up uh, breaking my toes for reasons I won't go into and had to go to the hospital... And got the neurovirus. What was this? I got the neurovirus. This was quite uh, about a year ago. Was it? Did I know about this? I told you. But oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and you, I got. Are you I, feeling better? Uh, I feel, I'm. I'm just about feeling better. Excellent. But I got really kind of because I couldn't hard. eat anything for about a week. I got really. I looked like I was only eating peas. And it was one of those kind of happy accidents that I would have. I didn't, you know, uh, look too weird. But it, that was really good fun. But really meant it was a guy who was seriously deranged and was quite difficult for me personally who only ate peas who only ate peas and the other one was it was a farcical play called Terrorism which is quite (laughs) which is quite an odd play to begin with a farcical play called Terrorism is this the same director yeah it it explored the idea that I'm sounding so pretentious but we'll go with it it's exploring the idea that terrorism the word is so synonymous in the 21st century with these quite horrific attacks and you know that one sort of thing so terrorism is associated with acts of terrorism yeah yeah whereas Actually, the word itself is just literally inflicting pain on somebody else because of your own pain. Do you know what I mean? I feel bad, therefore I'm inflicting this on you to hope, you know, making you feel pain makes you understand my... So it was quite complicated and kind of based around that idea. And I don't know if I agreed with all the ideas of the play, but you don't kind of have to really to be in it. You just kind of need to understand them. And I think that's quite a cool thing about theatres. It's quite a safe place to explore ideas that you don't necessarily agree with but it can make you understand. But there wasn't a lot of that for me because my base my character on John Cleese in Faulty Towers. So it was lots of... So it's a farcical play about terrorism where you play a John Cleese type character. Type character. Yeah, who, well, it starts off quite funny and then slowly descends into something that's a bit more um, uh, heavy and all kind of interwoven. But that was really good. I enjoyed that. That... It's a bit beyond my dramatical kind of <laughs> comprehension, really. It sounds like... I mean, I, I'm not doubting the director's fantastic. I'm sure the writers are amazing. It sounds like they had their scripts running in the same direction. They bumped into each other. It all fell on the floor. And they kind of grabbed handfuls. It's like, uh, uh, he's a serial killer. What does that page say? He eats peas. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, I'm sure that's part of the same thing. All right. Um, a farcical play about... Uh, what was that sheet say? Terrorism. Brilliant. Yeah, knock it out. What should we call it? Um... There's the Swan Who Loved, <laughs> and I'm sure they are. Fan- I look forward to seeing all of them, but it's kind of like, what? What can I? You know, I'll be. The, I'll have a look. Okay, yeah, judge. Yeah. I'm sure it will be amazing and, you know, coherent. And you'll make a very good. Well, you've kind of you've done 
chavvy drunken teen and crazy crazy but brilliant um, non-English speaking professor well not yet we'll see how that goes <laughs> and John Cleese yeah. uh, anything else in your I'd love to see your headshots by the way of all these <laughs> I think they'd just be absolutely amazing like this this is me as a crazy non-English I've got, professor I've got, I've got a couple of photos I'll throw them up uh, in the link which would be quite cool professional headshots like black and white uh, no resting no on photos fists. of me in the play oh Plays. Do you have any headshots like black and white chin um, resting on fists? I do, moodly. but they're from quite a while ago. Even better. I need some new ones. Bang them on. I, I don't think I'm going to bang them. No, I'm sure you'll be lovely. But uh, but yeah, it's really cool. Oh, that's good news. Well, I can understand why well, you've had a very tiring week hanging around strangers. While doing all the aim low stuff as well. Yeah, with, you know, the aim low stuff um, has just been taken off. The website is up. The Twitter's up. It's got some videos on there. Um, so... Have to change the name. Aim, aim moderate. Yes. <laughs> aim uh, for the bare minimum. Yes. <laughs> just to get through the day. Yeah, absolutely. Just enough. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just enough. Dot com. Go team adequate. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, but no, it's been really cool. I'm just super, um, super drained at the minute. But it'll all be over soon. That, that, the next play is in a month, and then I don't know what's. What's is that like next? some sort of play about euthanasia? I'm what? super drained, but it'll all be over soon. Is that the tagline for the kind of the next? We should write it. It's a guy who only eats. Uh... He only eats blackberries. He only eats not black- fruit. <laughs> the phones. <laughs> he lives on a sustenance of phones, and he's kind of got this pet scarecrow because you know what the hell? I'm the director. I can do whatever I like, and he has to put it out of its misery because it's got shingles. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, you could play the non-English speaking. Shingle wearing, shingle wearing <laughs> scarecrow man. Yeah, I'll get the headshots ready. But it, it, you know, it sounds great. Good acting, good fun. Nothing like what I've been up to. You know, <laughs> I kind of throw in it's like, what have you been up to this week? Yeah, just going around with strangers around Bristol. What have I been up to? Piss all in comparison, yeah. really. <laughs> cycling. Yeah, you. One of the big things over the last couple of weeks since I last saw you, I started a lot of cycling, and it's kind of it's. It's blown my mind for reasons I didn't expect. I mean, you know, you like cycling, you're a fan of cycling, you do a lot of it. Uh, I mean, just a bit of background, I live in Bath, you live in Bristol. The Bristol to Bath cycle path, it's 17 miles from my house to the centre, and it's a lovely little path, it's great. But it's kind of, when you start cycling, the first thing you realise is, this hurts. (laughs) Once you get past that, it's like, still hurts, but not as much. But then you start to notice things around you, and I think the one thing I can kind of take away from cycling every day is that by riding a bike and wearing Lycra, it's free license to wherever you like. <laughs> now, it's the one thing they don't tell you about cycling, but when I'm going along that I cycle I really path, didn't know what, where you were going with that, and I'm so happy you took it in the direction. I could take it in a lot of directions, yeah. but no, seriously, people with bikes, uh, you know, and the prop- these are like the more professional, I'm doing the bunny ears, professional cyclists who have the proper kit and the expensive £2,000 bike when you're going along the cycle path every beautiful landmark every beautiful flower, every every stop along the way, someone is either picking on it or has done previously <laughs> and you have to, you come to a point where you have to dodge people just stood there with the bike resting against their butt while they just tinkle all over the side bushes and I do wonder to myself if you were just if you were just going along, you know, just cycling around the city on a casual day, and you think so, oh, I've had a bit too much fizzy pop. <laughs> oh, oh, there's a Marks and Spencers there. Let's do the do, and you're away. And it's kind of like, what gives it, you know, when you're on the cycle path, just because you're back to nature. What if they need a, what if they need to, sh- 
Well, let's throw this out there. You're on your bike, you're on the Leica, you're obviously in that mindset that I can do what I like, I can I can, you know, mark my territory. I've not seen any, I'll put it that way, and I'm very familiar with that track. Yeah. Uh, and I've done it at speeds less than you have, because I actually ran it that one time. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, did you feel the urge to just piss wherever you wanted to? No, I didn't pee once while we were going along. I've only, I, my only distinct memory of peeing was kind of feeling like I needed to get off the cycle track. Mm. And what was I going to do with my bike? So I, I can, I remember the bridge, I remember going under the bridge. Yep. And I was, you know... And I was the thing I was worried about was people nicking my bike because I didn't want to pee in plain view. But mm. you clearly had a different experience now that the sun is out. <laughs> I think the most haunting memory, the last cycle I did was beautiful. I saw I saw a deer, which was gorgeous. You know, just saw a natural wild deer. It looked at me. I looked into its big deer eyes. It ran away. I've seen wild rabbits. I've seen all sorts of beautiful. You know, the, the trees are blossoming. The flowers are coming up. And then you round the corner by Bitten, and there is a disproportionately wide man who's taken off his top <laughs> so he can undo his bib shorts and bring them down. He's basically standing there with the back of his ass hanging out, just put it on a fence. <laughs> but the fence is on a bridge, and it's chain link. Okay. So he's putting he's through the fence onto the cars below. And Oh, my God. And, I'm, you know, I mean, for oh. a cyclist, that would be rather confusing. Oh, it's raining. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. But it was kind of that moment it came to me. It's like, is this what cycling is all about? And no. I mean, I've. What's really making me nervous now is I've got a scar from one of the fences on the. I can probably. I think I could show it to you. Even. Um, I can't remember which arm it was on, which isn't very helpful. <laughs> the choice is limited because it was quite. Yeah, oh, is that it? Where there's a like a little nick. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the one. I'm not bigger than that from memory, but <laughs> I've said that before. Uh, so what? So you kind of what fell off into a fence? No, no, no. It was while I was running. I was just because because the cyclists go past insanely quickly. Yeah, guilty. I think it was the one you found. When you're running, you try and stay as in as you can because you know. Yeah. But I was so close that when there was a bit of the fence, kind of hanging out, if you like, mm. I was so tired that I wasn't really paying attention to this. My arm sort of scraped it, and I got a little, got a little nick. Now nothing to be worried about until I hear there are people just pissing through these fences. They're just pissing all over themselves, basically. Maybe the well, you know, maybe my sickness wasn't due to uh, the neurovirus. It was my pee-infested cut well, from the fence. Well, there you go. Then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's on a Saturday or a Sunday. There's a lot of kids, a lot of families on the cycle paths. So I'm sure it's kind of toned down a bit. But if you ever make your way there on a on your way to work or on your way back from work, you know the big business types in their, you know, big shiny spandex mm. tops. They're just there's just going to be big flappers all over the cycle path, <laughs> just being where they like. So and in mystery scratches as well. <laughs> now I, it's one of you know you get home and you kind of got scratches, you you bleed in from your legs and you have no memory of it. And you know for most people that's fine. If your if your wife's feeling quite suspicious and you've got scratches all over your lower body, then you know that raises some interesting questions like oh darling I've been cycling well how'd you get scratches on your ass oh, I'm cycling hard <laughs> but there's I mean cycling's opening up to me I love it well actually no I hate it but I have to do it so maybe I'll love it one day but I think my experiences so far hopefully not typical I'm hoping you know Bradley Wiggins didn't get into it because he think oh just imagine all the a bit more of a Bear Grylls kind of something hobby, like I imagine. over 3,000 calories a day he what? He eats over three thousand calories a day to sustain him, and he's built like a, like a, you know. Yeah, I eat over three thousand calories a day as well, but I ain't cycling like him yet. Yeah, actually. Uh, 
I saw a swan on the psychopath. I got a picture of it. There's gonna be loads of pictures thrown up under this one. I'm gonna throw my swan picture up under the thing. I'll show it to you. Show it to you now as you're here. But uh, it was really good. I I I love the psychopath. I think it's really good. I like it in the rain. Bizarrely, I've only done it a couple of times in the rain. And as long as I know the people who I'm arriving, you know, as long as I know when yeah. I get in, I'm gonna be dry. Yeah, exactly. And it's you know, people who it's when it's raining, it's one of those things. And you'll probably agree with me on this. It gets to a certain point where you, you're knackered and you're covered in sweat. It doesn't even matter if it's raining because mm. you're soaked anyway. Yeah, yeah. Especially while running. And you just kind of forget about it. Which is quite cool. There's my swan. Just uh, that's the swan on the cycle path. Showing that around. The thing was, I didn't even because I was cycling quite quickly. I didn't even see it at first. It was just this white mass, uh, and I sort of swerved from it. But it took no attention to me, and that was as close as I could get without getting worried that it was going to either attack me or fly off. I did nearly hit a bird. Um, did you? Pigeons everywhere on that path. It actually, yeah, but the thing is, it kind of took off and it followed me, and then it cut in front of me. <laughs> so not only did I nearly hit a bird, this bird had bad road manners, basically. Mm. It just cut right in front of me. I had a butterfly, which started off being one of the nicest experiences of my life, <laughs> and quickly turned into a harassment. <laughs> because, so I'm running along, hottest day of the year. <laughs> of course. This beautiful blue butterfly just starts to kind of flutter along beside me and I'm like, yeah, this is what it's all about. <laughs> I'm ten miles in, there's a butterfly, it's a beautiful day, I'm feeling good. This butterfly followed me. <laughs> right? I'm not running very fast, right? I haven't got the energy to run away from it. <laughs> right? It's flapping around my face, it's kind of hitting into me and bouncing off and then I don't see the eyes but I know it's looking at me like what did you do that for and I'm kind of like you got your ass kicked I'm running here do you know <laughs> I'm not playing chicken with a butterfly <laughs> you didn't have the energy to run away from a butterfly <laughs> not only that you found yourself in a position which warranted the necessity to run away from a butterfly yeah, I was tired it was intense I wanted to keep the same pace but this butterfly was just getting all up in my grill to be down with the kids <laughs> what <laughs> I, I, I'm afraid. I, my experience with the butterflies have been nothing but pleasant, no harassment from me. But I know what you mean. You know, you go on a psychopath, it's all sorts of good wildlife. It was a wild butterfly. It was untamed. <laughs> it wasn't your kind of your. We need to break the butterfly. Your, your city butterfly. Yeah. It knows now though. Never seen it again. <laughs> I also kicked a frog once by accident. We just turned into because is the animal violence. Uh, yes. Hour? No, 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 no. So I was walking along really late at night, and there was something on the on the pavement but lit by a streetlight I couldn't see what it was and it was only halfway through one of my steps that I realised it was a frog and at that point it jumped but it jumped into my foot as I was stepping and bounced off and flew away but it was fine because it sort of kept on bouncing and I was like I remember apologising to it because I'm English <laughs> first and foremost <laughs> oh, I'm terribly sorry I, I seem to have uh, you seem to have jumped into my foot there while I was walking along I know I know to the untrained eye it seemed like I kicked you but me and you know me and you know better don't we kind sir thank you toad and it just kind of poop poop away in its <laughs> sorry what noise does a frog make away in its motor car poop poop oh so it drove away you're not a Wind in the Willows fan then uh, no, I've never seen it. I, uh, I want to okay. watch it now. If it's yeah. got like British violent men and little toads in cars, yeah, yeah, it's really good. I have a yeah, toad violence um, is on the up and up. <laughs> it is, and I've actually got my own confession with toad violence. On Halloween last year, a toad jumped into our kitchen and in an effort to kind of get rid of it. My wife took to putting on a rubber glove and poking it up the butt. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> I, I sorry. I don't know yeah. if I heard that. Did I hear it? Sorry. So there's a toad in the kitchen. There's a toad in the kitchen. You right? 
Okay, so I live in a basement flat. We open the window, and because Halloween last year was kind of wet and dingy, we had a toad jump in through the window, knock off a can of beans, and kind of sit in the sink. <laughs> now, Halloween as well, your mind's kind of playing a bit of tricks. So when you hear a rattle from the kitchen, sounds quite significant. Already your heart rate's up. Um, so we kind of go in, we check it out, sat there in the sink, bold as brass, this dirty great toad. It kind of raises a question. We didn't want him in the kitchen. We had to get him out of the kitchen. So it's kind of, hmm, how do you remove a toad? Now, you, obvious answer, you pick it up and you chuck it out the door. Neither of us really fancied handling this creature that had jumped into our lives. So we both donned rubber gloves, because, you know, who knows where toads have been. And it was kind of, you pick it up. No, you pick it up. No, no, you pick it up. No, I don't want to pick it up. Of course, me being a you know, 27-year-old man and her being a woman, I should have taken the initiative. <laughs> but I kind of palmed off that responsibility and left it to her. Now, she didn't want to pick it up. Her idea was, if you poke a toad, it will jump. But if you poke it towards the window, it will jump back out the window and go about its day. So she kind of, you give it a poke... And it doesn't move, right? And you just you poke your heart. But the thing is, you know, like anyone who's up on toad anatomy will know that when they kind of squat forwards, the you know things are where she was poking. Right, okay. Well, it's not a polite place to poke. Oh my God. All right, it's not like you know you, you tickle its thighs, which you know is the preferred method of moving a toad. Oh. She, and because it wasn't moving, she was poking harder and harder. And then she, I had to intervene. <laughs> Now, <laughs> you witnessed your wife molest a toad. Well, if you think about the size of a human finger and the size of an average toad, obviously... I've I... not thought about it at all, if I'm honest. Well, you were thinking about yeah, it now, aren't I you? I am, yeah. There wasn't anything that would be considered a medical procedure. <laughs> your wife is place. a nurse, so... She is a nurse, and she was wearing rubber gloves, okay. but there was no... There was Instinct no... just kicked in. <laughs> yes. Wait there, let me, just, them let me just deal with this. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you're going to need to stay in for another week. Or oh, yeah. And if you'll cough, please. Yeah. <laughs> That's how toads cough. Yeah. Before beep, beep, away in their little yeah. motor cars, apparently. Yours didn't have one. Mine was away with its tweed jacket on. If my toad had a motor car, none of this silliness would have happened. And I had to intervene as the manly man I was. My wife was millimetres away from being more friendly with a toad than she's ever been with anyone else. And I kind of I intervened. I picked it up. Toads have surprisingly strong legs, kicked out of my hands, flew across the kitchen, landed quite gracefully, and be- between us, kind of screaming and giggling and throwing a toad at each other. Which <laughs> okay, yeah. What did you do on Halloween? Well, throwing a toad at each other feels like a euphemism I'm no, not familiar with. I think by the end of the evening, the toad just kind of wanted to leave. It was okay. like, you know what? Been fun. You know, you, you seem like lovely people. Uh, the woman more than the man. And <laughs> yes. I, I'm just going to go, if that's okay. <laughs> Hop it up the steps, is what yeah. I imagine. Like, don't be offended. No, it's it's not you. It's I got to. I got It's Halloween. Do, We're all yeah, busy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to dress up as a, as a frog and go, and, you know, <laughs> go scouting for flies. So, toad violence is on the up and up, and this, I feel this is like kind of a recorded confession now. One day it's going to be played back to me. In a court. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we've we've got it on file that you've you've it'd be like on the the toad equivalent of the Savile Inquiry. It's going to come back to haunt me in sixty years. So so I feel better. I kind of uh, so <laughs> I feel I've got it off my chest. I've implicated my beloved in you know some animal cruelty case, and it wasn't just me, Your Honour. Yeah, <laughs> I've named names. I, for one of a better phrase, You're I've pointed brass. fingers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, oh, man. And, uh, you know, I feel like I've done well now. Cool. And I'm quite glad to say I'm out of animal violence stories. I think uh, I was talking to my mum last night about the time a donkey ate the tobacco out of my dad's pocket when I was four. But that's not really violence. That's just, if anything, that's more akin to drug dealing, really, giving a donkey tobacco. And even then, it's only I mean, a slap on the wrist. So what you're saying is, you know, it's it's, it's not you, it's... It's the environment you've been brought up in that's <laughs> what you do believe. <laughs> I'm gonna, I don't want to implicate my parents in my uh, history of animal violence and abuse, but if it's me or them, then yeah, they're the ones holding the toad over the so, flames. So great, this is case 40567. <laughs> yeah. uh, interview uh, subject, Jack. The animals! I'm the good cop. Bad cop's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the good cop and the bad cop, apparently. It's a, it's a chicken. <laughs> Tell her everything you know. <laughs> Listen, oh, he's crazy. Objection. The witness is he's, chicken. He's crazy. I'm gonna. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna leave you two alone if you don't want me to. <laughs> Didn't George Orwell write a, a story that goes an awful lot like what this is descended into now? <laughs> You're right. We stand on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> George Orwell is rotating in his grave right now. A couple of times, actually, to be honest. <laughs> So what do you want to do for the next audio commentaries? What are your thoughts? Um, I, I've got a couple of TV movies lined up, uh, which we can do. I've just cast eyes. Howard the Duck. Yep. Never heard of it. Oh my. Okay, well we've just found our next audio commentary. George Lucas. Yes. Really? <laughs> yes. Mr. Star Wars. Holy shine. From the writers of American Graffiti and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom... Howard the Duck. Right, awesome. So uh, Howard the Duck is going to be our next uh, audio commentary, but we want to throw it over to you guys. Is that Tim Robbins? We want to throw it over to you guys and say that if there's any films that you want us, uh, that you would like to recommend us to do an audio commentary for, feel free to f- recommend those. Uh, there are uh, quite a few ways you can do it now. You can find us at our website, which is aimlowproductions.weebly.com, and hopefully there's going to be loads of other uh, content to check out there. Uh, you can also look us up to see what we've what we've done to make sure you're not suggesting anything we already have on our YouTube account, which you should be able to find us through our website. And we also have a Twitter account, which is at AimLowPro. That's uh, A-I-M-L-O-W-P-R-O, uh, which would be really cool. You can message us on there, follow us on there, be up to date with all the AimLow stuff that's happening. Uh, and yeah, thanks for thanks for tuning in. Uh, listen to all episodes on SoundCloud, and we'll hopefully see you again. Yeah, see you again soon. Can I just mention, you've done such a good job of remembering all the ways that and get in touch. Can't we just throw the links up? Could we just not have said, check well, out the links below? All the links below as well. All yeah. the links below. Awesome. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye.